Hi, and welcome back to Prague Will Find a Way, your friendly neighborhood podcast. I'm Jonathan Block. And I'm Jay Valade. And our episode on 80s Prague turned out to be a little longer than we expected. There's a lot in there, and I still feel like we barely scratched the surface. Right. So we've broken up the episode into two, and here's part two. Take it away. Right? All these bands changed over the course of time. A, a, a bit yeah. and they tightened up their sounds and they yep. they shed some of their influences as they went along but as i said i i didn't get into marillion until misplaced childhood okay and then yeah. i went backwards right yeah but you know and even then i was not jumping in like crazy having to get every single thing i ever saw of them because when i start liking a band i will go all in i mean but, uh, you know, yeah, of course. So I was listening to XTC and, and yep. you know, they even though, again, not a prog band, but, you know, they've got pieces that that verge on some of that, particularly once they stopped and uh, touring and, and whatnot. And you think the pre-streaming days, right, where everything's at our fingertips now, it was not by any stretch of the imagine yeah. then. And and that influenced, like, what am I going to listen to? What what, yeah, what, and- what am I going to spend my money on and if you got into something it was like okay that's where i'm at right now for the month or two months or whatever however long it goes on and uh you know that that's that's all you do and then you start wishing too at least i think back to the 80s and it was always like oh my god this this album has a song that's 10 minutes long or this person is doing uh you know 10 like i think about somebody like um somebody like peter hamill so van de graaff generator Pretty much the only prog band that survived punk only because the people they they kind of were always off the wall anyways. Yeah. But so his solo career and and you know shorter songs, shorter songs, and then all of a sudden you see a ten minute song, you're like, oh, what's it going to be? It's gonna be really you know, good. hopefully it's not just repeating the chorus for five minutes. But it that's it was a bit of a wilderness then because everything just felt like it was even Emerson Lake and Paul it was like, oh my god, you get to see Keith Emerson and Greg Lake on the stage again. Yeah. But it was still. It wasn't the same. I remember thinking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tarkas, it's cool, but it's just not the same. And it was even then that it was like, like you, I was more into the music of the day. And and it just felt like as a person, like a kid, you know, they're in their 30s and it's like it's just starting to feel a little old. And like, I also got to tell you, like, so I play I was a play, you know, I played in bands then, too. And I wasn't like looking for a prog band, you know, although there were some bands I was in where we would play some prog songs, but yeah. it was more, you know, Stretching out, yeah, stretching out a little (laughs) bit, and like you know, stuff like Peter Gabriel uh, talking head stuff that that you could say is part of a continuum and or an offshoot, and we'll talk more about Peter Gabriel in a upcoming episode. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, and also to your point, the the bands all started sounding very similar, and if if you're not sitting there looking at the name and and look away, you'll be like, which band is this? Yeah, but yeah, I think as the decade went on, they got tighter, and then when we do an episode on the '90s, some of those bands, that's where they actually have their masterpieces. You know, right. it's in the '90s, and for a right. lot of bands, but I think it was, you know, it's not, it's. It, uh, 
it's like you know, punk didn't kill Prague. It was like those those Prague guys killed Prague. Prague killed Prague. Those guys, <laughs> but then Prague out found a way. It did, yes, <laughs> like as as it always does. Um, you know, but it was an interesting decade because there was just so much music and so much different music. And I mean, you know, it was a Live Aid. You know, it wasn't like a parade of Prague bands or anything. No, it was not. <laughs> You know, you got ultra, you know, like Ultravox was frog, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, and then you had, you know, playing on the, the we're getting into the mid 80s, but, you know, Trevor Horn doing all his stuff was, which was a lot of it was like polished pop, fantastic sounding, but it wasn't necessarily proggy. Right. But you listen to Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and that one track yeah. the, of the opening track yeah. was, oh, it's incredible. Something. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I really love right. it. And, you know, but like Steve Howe's on that. I know. Well, <laughs> or, or, you know, and it's funny because now I think about it, it's kind of come full circle. So I was always a fan of Spandau Ballet. Okay. And their early, the early stuff is very, you know, it's, it's the, I mean, we're not, you know, Prague kind of begot synth pop and that stuff too, right? right? And that yeah. coming from the Eno air and the ambient and the electronic, the Tangerine Dream and the Kraftwerk and that kind of angle yes. of Prague. And then that all became something because, like, think of Thomas Dolby's albums. Oh. I mean, those are very, they're fantastic. Those are, you know, very Prague, but Spandau Ballet. But that's, that's kind of what I was listening to. That's so that when I, I heard Asia, too, too. I was like, yeah. Eh. Right. I was so hopeful that Asia was going to be this fantastic thing. And, well, you know, that's they got why we all things. loved, uh, what was the song? It was like, you know, I would listen, listen. All of a sudden it was like, wow, the streams, wow, the streams were the or time again. Yes. And it's like, but wow, the streams was like, oh my God, because it's done, you know, they're doing something proggy. And I remember I thinking like time too, again. time again okay. was my favorite. But I remember thinking, like, this is it. Like, this is what it's become. Even then, like, yeah. it oh, was I, that. I, was I remember very, thinking I that too. You know, I was up. like, oh, so. So when I heard darn it. I was like, oh, you're yeah, like, the pirate. Okay, yeah. This is a great song. Yeah, and like the way I spanned out ballet, their album Diamond. And the second side is like is is like a prog like suite. Okay. Um, I'm not as okay. familiar. But what know. but but the point being that is is that it kind of just it still went out to to these people. And even though the big acts, I mean, you know, we didn't talk about Roxy Music, you know, they had their right. biggest albums Which, in that era too. Personally, my favorite Roxy Music album, even though that it is, yeah, oh, I love okay. that album. Yes, very, very good album. I, I love agree. that album. Yeah, um, but it's totally different than 1973 Roxy Music. <laughs> yes, right. Which it's is good, not though. Virginia Plain, that's right? for sure. Yeah, which is good because if it was the same all. thing over and over and over, right. would, that's why yeah. they did it. No, we wanted them to do their old stuff later. You know. <laughs> Right. When that's we what, when wait, we were listening. Yes, yes, that's what we do. What is it? 2010 Prague. That's what we get into the why are you doing an album that's exact you know, everybody's returned to form. <laughs> but in the eighties they were all trying to get as far away right. from it as possible. Uh or I guess the some of them are just to stay relevant, right? That's really what right. it was. As it was. that's their I mean well, you that's gotta, their job. That, that is their and, job. And a know, lot of people put these bands down right. for for you know cashing in but yeah uh, if they didn't you would not be talking every you know everybody yeah, even people that have stuff on the radio that doesn't mean that they're you know raking in the money you don't know what kind of deals they have so right. a lot of people that's their job and they can't stop that's why a lot of people continue to tour way past their sell by date because yeah. they don't have a choice yeah that's how they make their money um but yeah the UK, the UK prog was interesting because there really wasn't 
over here, which is funny because we got disco and then they're doing punk over there, but then it kind of flipped. It's like they cross pollen. It's like every yeah. we, we, you know, people switched partners because then it was like, you know, the more harder edge new new wave in the New York music scene and all that. But then over there, it was getting wimpier. Yeah, and I think that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not as verse well versed in the the punk scene over there, but I sometimes I think that it was a a music paper fabrication just to push back against what was happening and create this new thing. I don't know that when that was happening at the time that it was selling the most albums of anybody else. It was just, this is, this is the new thing and we are embracing it and we're going to put it on the cover of, of the NME and you're going to start liking it. And then, but then by the time the eighties came around, that was, you know, the new romantics and the new wave and the whole thing was such a different approach than than punk was but it was also a little diy right that they yeah. were doing i mean you yeah. you had these synthesizer bands that yeah. didn't know how to do anything yeah but they just found these sounds and they were like we will we'll create these landscapes and and create this music and put a beat to it and lynn drum machine and whatever and it became really interesting music at least as far as i was concerned well we've been talking about the way that the prog bands changed and kind of um right. with the times and and evolved but it's funny because the punk did the same exact thing i mean you think of yeah. you know sex pistol johnny lyden became pill i mean yeah. and that and keith levine and i mean you know singing the praises of fripp and all that it's yeah. funny how those influences kind of came back in or uh, the clash another great example yeah um, and, and to your point, too, about it was more of a media fabrication because, you know, Joe Stormer was doing like pub rock, which was the same thing. It was just three chords, yeah. but it was for and I can't remember. There's like a, a, a great Joe Stormer quote about, you know, that, you know, the pub, it was the same kind of music, but, you know, it was delivered differently because for one, it was for drunks and for the other it was for something else. <laughs> but then, you know, you have the clash with Sandinista and all that yeah. that was just like this total buffage of 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 music and then i don't know if you ever ever saw it there was this great and famous interview where uh it's uh fripp and joe strummer okay. the fripp and joe strummer interview in musician magazine it was either 1980 or 81 but it. it's just fantastic it's probably it's, in the basement yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's with that now it's in the archive it's in the it's it's in it's in jay's archive uh i don't know but you know but those bands i know we're digressing off the the prog thing as we like, always do like, like the clash you know became yeah. a huge band in 1982 or what you know yeah. rock the casbah or yeah oh my god big hit single yeah Combat totally rock. not yeah uh should I stay sounding, or should I go? St sounding like the punk. No, initial I mean, punk snarl punk. in the voice. Well, snarl is but fine. Very but, soft I mean, around the edges for middle America. Right. But I don't know if that was a on purpose or if that was just where their songwriting and, and their playing was yeah, going. Well, I, yeah. They I, were learning to play more I think they were better, just, I think, and yeah. this is what we came up I with. I think that's what they did because Sandinista was like, you know, that, that wasn't going to, even though, I mean, you know, did very well as a critic. Darling, it was a great album, but it was all over the map. So yeah. when I heard that, I was like, okay, these guys want to try to do something different. Which is um, good. Yeah. And they had their they had their fun. They had their which is which, which, which is just getting back to our that was the interesting new kind of sounding stuff in right. the early 80s yep. to us yeah. versus the neo prog kind of, because you know, you'd read about them in the music. I would 
go to the local record yep. store and, and pick up Melanie Maker or, or whatever right. and um and read about them but it not, nothing ever made me want to go out and buy their albums at that time right. because when you're reading about it and they're like you know a Genesis retread I'm I'm like well I'm not spending $15 on an import record when I can get something to... else that I exactly. know that I'm going to like. Yep. Because there was no outlet for us to hear it. So No, there wasn't. And I would buy some of the stuff and be like, oh, this is good. And then, but at the end of the day, I'd be like, but if I feel like hearing Genesis, I'll hear Genesis. Right. And, you know, it was just a little stronger opinions back then. But I'll be honest, I even felt that way about Marillion. I mean, I saw Marillion on their first U.S. tours. They played Toad's Place. I don't remember if, I don't think it was 81. It had to be 82 and definitely early 83. And it was very cool. And it was like, wow. Um, but it, it, at the same time, it was like at that age, you know, 16, 15, 16, I'm like, you chick, chicks aren't going to like this music. How much can I get into this? You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> but you said something when you were talking about the clash that really stuck out with me, which is only, and this is the way I'm, I'm just kind of not reinterpreting what you said, but it sparked something in me, which is like, in a lot of those bands and the everything we're talking about, it's like the complexity of composition and playing stayed, you know, it, it didn't go away from the prog era. What went away was like the over the top virtuoso soloing going so, over right. that they did. But that underneath stuff, you know, that yeah. bed of stuff that the soloing, that really never went away. Bands just started applying that differently, even yeah. in a minimal, minimalistic fashion, because I always think of um, Ultravox, and that whole, which is just so, you know, and then you think across pollination, you think of somebody like Bill Nelson that yeah. was always straddling, you know, I mean, Bebop Deluxe was kind of prog, but kind of punk, but kind of this. And then he went totally into that, yeah. you know, but, but Ultra Rocks always seemed very prog to me. It's something like Vienna, which is yeah. so minimalistic. But to me, that's, that's that, uh, that is where prog went, you yeah. know, just like. Just like uh, a, I don't, we won't talk much about it, but a lot of the Peter Gabriel stuff, yeah. kind of, he was well, almost and, the prog person. He and Eno and Fripp to a certain extent, and Bowie, that little crowd, were were like, were, they were the first ones to be like, yeah, okay, and and just this is what we want to do now. But then in that whole group of people, there's Japan and David Sillian too. Which, yes. Which, which, it, and I'm glad you brought that up because there is a more global aspect to a lot of this uh, than just the U.S. Right. and um, and Canada because <laughs> we talk a lot about Rush too yeah. and uh, and the U.K. But but yeah, you know, and and I I know we're the band Japan is not from Japan. <laughs> But I'm thinking of Yellow Magic Orchestra, right. and, and because it's the same thing. That stuff. What well, exactly? Yeah. It's just it's it, all different kind of flavors. Right. But even during that era, which is funny too, because even during that, you know, we talked the '73 and this and that. Some of those bands were already going and doing stuff. Yeah. That that was. They just didn't come to the forefront right. They didn't come to to the forefront, but. Mm. You know, clearly, as, us. right? Yeah, as that prog movement was, as the media was bearing it, there was still even if even if it was small, there was still an audience, and there were still people that were like, "We're not ready to be done with this particular form of music yet." Right? You know. And I know we're we're concentrating more on the early '80s, but uh, Sylvian, I thought, did some. One of my favorite albums is the the Secrets of the Beehive. Yeah. Uh, 
from it's like 87 i think something like that i just thought the sound on that was fantastic his like you said before i mean japan and and all that stuff it felt at the time like this you know i had a harder time in in at when i heard japan for the first time earlier i i was like "Mm, i don't know if this, this really floats my boat yeah but i by the time Sylvian did his solo work, I liked that more. Yeah. But then, you know, I went back, but I, some of it's. I, I had a con, I made a conscious decision. So before I went to college, like that summer between high school and college, I was like, I, I'm like, I'm going to shed some of this proggy stuff. And I, I want, I got to get into the music of the day. I had already, already heavily into talking heads and yeah. stuff like that. And I remember going to a record store and, you know, tell them this is what I've been into, but I need to broaden my horizons yeah. and I want to do that. And J- Japan was one of the albums. Spandau Ballet was one of the albums. Yeah. There was like three or four others, too. Um, you know, maybe there was a, a, a human league, but not the like an early human league or right. something, you know. And, uh, you know, it was like that that'll give you a good cross section of where your head should be at, you know. And I remember listening to those and I was like, wow, you know, they were cool. And then I felt like, yeah, I can see how. It, it is a progression like this is the yes, you know, you can't it's funny. You can't say I'm into pro- progressive music and progressive rock, but it can't progress. You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. But I think a lot of that, the the germ of some of that was happening in those early 80s yeah. songs and albums. Yes. Right. In the 82, 81, 82, 83. But then a lot of those bands either kept going and going into like deeper and darker territories right. or more minimalistic. Like Talk yep. Talk is a perfect. Oh, yeah. That, right? Yeah. Or they went more poppy, like OMD went from yep. more experimental synth music yes. to, to getting horns and, and fun in its well, own well, way. All the, a but a little less bands. progressive. Yeah. Uh, they went, they became less progressive as right. they went versus some of them became even more, more progressive. progressive. But the talk yeah. about being the poster child of yeah. that. Yeah. Well, all right. I, I feel like we've been going on for a while all here. Right. Um, so we just kind of scratched the surface here because I just all of a sudden I'm like, we didn't say a word about the police. (laughs) I mean, there's so many bands that had, you know, very progressive kind of albums and uh, well, you can't cover them all. And I think we talked about (laughs) Neoproc. We we scratched the surface there, but that was mainly because it was not on my radar and listening back to it. Yeah. I can kind of see why it wasn't. Yeah. I think it's when those bands kind of matured and and integrated those sounds into their own sound that they right. became themselves. So yeah, and I think we'll have more to say about uh, certainly a number of those bands uh, when we talk about the '90s. Yeah, but until then, Prague will find a way, as we found that to be the case <laughs> in the '80s. But you have to want to. Yeah, you have to want it. To. <laughs>